Have a seat. The wisest person to ever live, Solomon, he expresses something that all of us have in common. He puts it this way. He has planted eternity in the human heart. But even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. So whether you live in America today or, or across the ocean in Africa, all of us have something in common. We have this inescapable desire, this feeling down deep in us that the world itself cannot fulfill. And some of us in this room, we understand what that is. And because we understood that nothing else can fulfill that desire, we called out to the one that put it in our hearts himself. We called out to Jesus. Because we know that it's only Jesus in his death and in his resurrection that can fulfill that desire. That we welcome him into our hearts and into our lives because he has placed it there to begin with. And I'm grateful for that. But if you're like me, I know people in my life who are trying to fulfill that desire in their lives and in their hearts with things that aren't God. And they are searching and they're doing whatever it takes to find fulfillment, but they can't find it because they haven't seen Jesus. They haven't met Jesus. They don't know him yet. And so my question to you is this. How are they going to get to know him? How are they going to know that that desire in their human hearts has been placed in them by God himself and that God wants a relationship with them? Well, the Apostle Paul asked the same questions. Look what he says in Romans 10 verse 14. He says, how can they call on Jesus to save them unless they believe in him? Well, how can they believe in him? They've never heard about him. And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? What Paul is saying to us today is, Christ follower, if you know him, if you know that he's planted that desire in your heart and it can only be fulfilled through Jesus, then guess what? The people in your life here and far away need to know him through you. And how are they going to know him? God's not going to come down with a megaphone and say, hey, it's me. I want to have a relationship with you. He's going to do it through his followers. That's why as we complete our message series that we've been in over the last six weeks, looking at who we want to be as a church starting now into the future, we want to grow deeper. And the only way we can grow deeper as a church is if we go out. That we go out and tell others about Jesus himself. That's why the last root, which said, it should say six, but it says five here. But root six is we want to engage, which means we want to go out and meet people where they're at. In our neighborhoods, in our communities, and in our world. Now, in a little while, I'm going to tell you how Jesus tells us to do that. And if you're like me, if you're reading a book, you want to skip ahead. Just give me what I'm supposed to do so I can go. Well, the sermon's not going to be that short. You need a little bit more, right? But we have to start with not the how or the what. We have to be convinced with the why. Why should I go out into the community? Why should I go out into my neighborhoods? Why should I go out into the world and tell people about Jesus? If you and I can understand this why, if we are consumed with the why and why it's important, then we can get to how we're going to do it. If we don't really, if we're not really convinced 
that we're called to do this as Christ followers, we're never going to do it. So I want to start with why we do this. And it's simple, really. The first part is this. Our God is a sending God. When you read the Old Testament, you see right away God likes to bless people. From Abraham to the prophets to Israel themselves, God blesses them. Why? Well, they, he, God wants a relationship with them. He wants to enjoy a relationship with them. That's great. But more than that, God blesses them to be sent out. They bless them so they can be a blessing to other people. That's why God continues to tell Israel, Israel, I love you, and I want a relationship with you, and you're my chosen people. But it's not just for you and me. It's for you to be a blessing to all the other nations around you. God is ascending God. And we see that culminated in Jesus himself. This is mind-blowing. In the Gospel of John alone, Jesus is described as sent more than 44 times. In the Gospel of John alone. You know, a lot of times we talk about becoming more like Christ. And if I were to ask you, tell me what it means to become more like Christ, many of us would say, well, we need to be more loving. Amen to that. We need a little bit more love in this world, don't we? And that is true. Becoming like Christ is becoming more loving. But if I look at the gospel, right, and I see who Jesus is, then also becoming like Christ is to be sent, to be like him, to go into the world. I mean, that's exactly what Jesus tells us. As the Father has sent me, disciples of Christ, I am sending you. So why we must do it is because we are like Jesus when we go out. Our God is ascending God. He's done it from the beginning with Israel. And he did it with Jesus. And now Jesus says, you, Christ follower, are equipped to go out into our communities, into our neighborhoods, into our world. And share the good news of what Christ has done for us in the cross and in the resurrection. But the second part is just as important. Because the church is an aircraft carrier, not a cruise ship. Not many of us are going on cruises right now. I understand that. But J.D. Greer, who's a pastor and whom I respect in the highest regard, he tells us that oftentimes the church is looked at like a cruise ship. Let me tell you how this looks. Here's what J.D. Greer says. He says, Cruise ships often, when we look at church like that, it offers Christian luxuries for the whole family, like entertainment, childcare services, and business networking. We show up at church and we ask, does the pastor preach funny, time-conscious messages that meet my felt needs? Do not answer that question right now. Thank you. Do I like the music? Now here's the kicker. If we say, well pastor doesn't teach good messages or I don't like the music or I don't like how the church is or, I don't like what they're doing if the church ever ceases to cater to my preferences well there's a lot of other cruise ships in the harbor that's what happens when we have a cruise ship mentality I'm coming to church I'm going to enjoy it it's going to be for me and if I don't I'll go find another one that's your view church I'm sorry your view of church is wrong that is not why Jesus established a church. If you want entertainment, I promise you there's better forms of entertainment you can be having at 8.30 in the morning on a Sunday. But if you're looking 
to be used, if you're looking to be on mission, if you're looking for a life that's bigger than yourself, if you're looking to come to church, to be equipped, to go out and share Jesus with other people, then you're catching the vision why Jesus is sending us in the first place. What our vision and purpose is as a church. For we're not a cruise ship. We're an aircraft carrier. Well, what's an aircraft carrier do? It equips planes for battle. When you come here, you don't stay here, do you? If you live here, you got to come let me know. You're not allowed to do that. <laughs> you come here, get fueled up, and we're going to send you back. Back into your workplaces. Back into your families. Back into your neighborhoods. Back into your communities. Back into your gyms. Back into the bank. Back into the grocery store. Back into where your kids go to school. Why? Because there's a battle out there that we want to retain from the enemy so we can go out and help, in Jesus' name, save people from hell. That's what the church is about. It's not about us. I hope you like the sermon. I hope you like the music. I hope it's great. But at the end of the day, it's not about our preferences. It's about being sent. It's about being the church that God wants to see. And that's a sending church, not a cruise line. That's why we have to be convinced we are being sent because Jesus was sent. And we need to go out and be the aircraft carrier that we're called to be. And if we understand the why, then we can understand how and where we ought to go. You see, right before Jesus ascended back to heaven, he looked at his apostles and he said, okay, I'm going to give you a strategy by which you can go out and tell people about me. It's very simple. He, he begins this way in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. He puts it this way. He goes, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. What I love about Jesus, he doesn't say, all right, guys, well, it's been a great three years. We've had a good run. I'm going back to heaven because i got to get out of this place because it's a mess down here. I don't know what you guys are doing, but i got to go back to God. And now that I'm leaving, I hope that you figure out exactly what you're going to do. And if you don't, well, good luck. Jesus doesn't say that. Jesus says, look, I've equipped you for these last three years. But you know what? It's better for me to go. Because I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is going to consume not just you, but all of Christ's followers. And he is going to guide you. And not only is he going to guide you, he's going to give you power. Paul tells us it's the same power that raised Jesus from the dead that is in us. And he gives us this power so that you and I feel comfortable and confident for going out and sharing about our faith. So many times, if you're like me, I want to tell people about Jesus or I want to tell people about the chapel. And then I clam up. I'm like, I don't know. What if they don't respond well? What if I say the wrong thing? What if they get mad at me? What if this? What if that? And so often I think about me more than I'm thinking about them. And I'm also thinking that I can't do this, but God says, I will help you. You have the power in you through the Spirit to go out and tell people about me. And that's what Jesus says to the apostles back then. Hey, you can do this because I'm with you. My Spirit is in you. And now I'm telling you today, you can do this. 
Even if you flub up, even if you mess up, even if people get mad at you, what you're doing is obeying God, saying, I'm going to say what he wants me to say, and he's going to give me the power to do it. Do you believe that today? Do you believe that he's in you, Christ follower, and he wants to use you? That's not about you. It's about God using you to tell others about him. And Jesus, he, he goes on and he says, look, here's, here's how you're going to do that through the spirit. Now I'm going to tell you where to go. And here's how he continues on. He says, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. And then he lays out this everywhere. In Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now, if you were one of his disciples listening to this, you'd have been like, I got it. I know exactly where I'm supposed to go. But for us in 2021, we read those cities and those places, and we're like, I, I don't really understand what he's saying. So I'm going to lay it out for you in your context, okay? So when he says Jerusalem, he really means our neighbors. Jerusalem is where these disciples lived. It is their home. And when Jesus says, you ought to go to Jerusalem, he's saying, look, there are people in your life, your neighbors, your family, your friends, your kids' friends, people that God has strategically placed in your circle. And Jesus wants you and I to reach them. One of my favorite stories that really illustrates this point is actually found in the Old Testament. It's about a woman named Esther. Esther is one of my favorite characters in Scripture. You see, she has been named queen. And she is the queen to uh, the Persian king, I almost forgot his name, King Xerxes. King Xerxes is an awful king. But the queen, who is now Esther, she's in this position. And all of a sudden, Esther's cousin Mordecai comes up to her and says, Do you realize why you're the queen? Do you realize why God strategically put you in this position? Your people, our people, the Jews are in captivity. And it's your influence with the king that can let them go. Here's what he says. He says, Esther, if you keep quiet at a time like this, deliverance and relief for the Jews will arise from some other place. But you and your relatives will die. This is a dire situation. Then Mordecai envisions Esther. He says this, Who knows if perhaps you were made queen for such a time as this. Esther approaches Xerxes. She could be killed for it, but she does it anyway. And she approaches the king and explains what, what's happening. And in the end, he frees Esther and Mordecai's people for such a time as this. When I think about Esther's story, it's a phrase that I think about in my own life. Where am I and who am I for such a time as this? You are who you are for such a time as this. Your temperament, your giftings, who you are, all of those things are unique to you. God made you who you are to reach people for such a time as this. And just like Esther was given this position of influence to help free her people. So too do you have that same influence. 
But whether you are in your workplace, or whether you're at the grocery store, or your position in your family, or who your friends and followers are on social media, or the kids at school, you are where you are for such a time as this. So my question to you is, are you going to allow God to use you in that way? Who you are and where you are is just like Esther. You're there for such a time as this. How can you use that to share the good news about Christ? And how are you coming across? If you are a Christ follower and everyone knows you as a jerk, well, people aren't going to listen to you. You are who you are and where you are for a purpose to become like Christ so that people can come to know Christ. Don't waste that. It's only unique to you. Use it for God's glory. That's why over these next three years, as a part of our 2023 vision, we want to spend more time in messages and more time in classes sharing practical ways that you and I can be confident in sharing our faith. So stay tuned for that. But until then, Right now, you're in a position. Use it for such a time as this. Jesus then says, hey, I want you not just to go to Jerusalem, to the people in your circle, but I want you to go to Judea. Now, Judea was a little bit outside of Jerusalem. And for our context, it would be the community that we're from at large. So obviously, I live in Sandusky. And I'm always asking myself, okay, God, how do you want to use me as a Christ follower, as an influence in my overall community. So God has given me two opportunities to do that. And maybe there's more, I just haven't seen it. There's two. The first one is I remember opening up an email from the school district that I live in, Perkins. Now I went to Perkins and my kids go to Perkins. And they said they need a school board member. You have to apply an interview. Now, normally, school board member, you get to be voted upon, but because someone left their seat early, you had to be interviewed by the board. And I had people all over saying, Eric, I think you should do this. I'm like, all right, I'm going to try it. So I interviewed this board. There's all these other people that are way more qualified. And the board president calls me, and I'm actually at Norwalk at my dentist. And he calls, and he says, hey, Eric. And he had this somber voice, and I was like, yeah. And he's like, well, we have these candidates, blah, 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 blah. But you're the guy that we want. And I was like, really? Me? <laughs> and it's been incredible. Over this last year, I've served on our Perkins School Board. And yes, I get to be involved in policy, and I get to be involved in helping move Perkins schools forward. But I can't tell you how many times, as a Christ follower, that I've had influence in people's lives, not just as a school board member, but God used that in our community to reach people. Had somebody a couple months ago, our, our Sandusky, part of our um, Perkins family doesn't go to the Sandusky campus. He's a teacher. His son ended up taking his life. This guy does not go to church, but he reached out to me. Yes, I'm a pastor at the church, but he knew that I was a pastor and a Christ father through my position on the school board. And I got to serve his family in that way. And then the other way that I personally do that is I try to coach as many teams for my kids as I can. Like I'm, I was coaching a sport recently. I didn't even know what I was doing. I was on YouTube putting in, how do I do this? I didn't know what I was doing. And that's okay. But what really mattered to me is having an influence on those kids and then on the families of those kids. Recently, there was a kid who came to the chapel for the first time. I don't know if it was my influence, 
I know a other couple chapel family that's in their lives, but they came for the first time and they're coming back every week. I don't tell you that because I'm an amazing Christian. I'm just telling you there are opportunities for you creatively to get involved in your community. Yes, you're serving the community, but you're serving as a Christ follower for such a time as this. So people in your Judea can know Christ because they're probably not going to come here, but they're going to go where they're going and you meet them there. What is that thing in your community that you can sign up to be a part of or coach or do that people may say, oh yeah, this guy is doing this, but you know under, you're undercover as a Christ follower to reach people for Christ. Then I think about our church. I read this quote recently and it almost knocked me off my chair. Eric Swanson said, if your church disappeared, would your community notice? Not if we would notice. I mean, if you showed up on Sunday and the doors were locked, I'm like, hey, what's going on here? <laughs> the people in Norwalk, in Milan, in Wakeman, Bellevue, everyone that comes here, would they notice if our church doors were closed? That is something that I have been wrestling with. And I put together some things. I'm like, okay, Lord, we are doing some things in the community. We want to do more and do better. I wrote them down in Sandusky. We were continuing to reach Nehemiah Center. In Port Clinton, we're a part of uh, Bistro 163 and Lighthouse Sober Living. In Norwalk, we're a huge part of Abigail Pregnancy Center and Love Norwalk and ACT Ministries. At all three campuses, we continue to do curbside carryout, and sometimes that gets a little wonky with COVID, but we want to continue to do that. Each year, we do warming the homeless, and we have benevolence fund for people who can call outside the church and say, I need help, and we can help them, even if they don't go to the chapel. We have COVID relief funds, and even later today, all of our, uh, some of our pastors and our staff are, are taking widow, or Valentine's gifts to widows in our community to show them God loves you on this day. And maybe you're here today and you're a widow and you signed up for gifts. We have those at the Welcome Center because we want to show Christ's love. We want to continue to be a church that impacts the community. And I hope you want to be a part of that too. What can you do? What can we do to impact Christ for such a time as this? And then Jesus says, okay, not just your individual bubble, not just your community at large, but go beyond that. Go to people that aren't like you, which was Samaria. Jesus went through there to show, make a, perf, make a point that he is going to love the unlovable. The good Samaritan, people that were unlovable by the Jews back then. Jesus said, love those people. And then go to the ends of the earth, even beyond our communities. And I love that we do that at the chapel. We want to continue to do that. One of the great opportunities that we get every year is at Cedar Point, when they open their doors, we have all of these people from around the world that get J-1 visas for the summer, and many of them whom are Muslims, come to Cedar Point, and we can befriend them and invite them to our house and have dinner with them and take them to ice cream and show them things they've never seen in their world. And as they get to know us, we can share Christ. The world comes to us. We want to continue to do that if COVID restrictions allow. And then... And around the world, if you're newer to the chapel, maybe you don't know this, but let me tell you how we are involved around the world right now. In Burundi, we are reaching a despised and unreached people, unreached people group called the Batwa. That would be the Samaritans back then. 
In India, we are partnering with two indigenous mission agencies helping Hindus understand Jesus. In Mexico, we're partnering with missionaries translating the New Testament into Zapotec. I never even heard of Zapotec before this, but it's a, a language of a local indigenous people who don't have the Bible. We're involved in that. We're partnering with the Send Mission Agency who specialize in placing uh, missionaries in unreached places around the world. And then as a part of our 2023 vision, we want to come alongside of Dan and Sarah Steltzer. They are part of our Port Clinton campus, and they're currently raising support, and the chapel is supporting them. And they are going, I want to make sure I get this right, they are going to Central Asia to be missionaries. And what I love about them is we're going to partner with them. Our plan is to send a multi-campus chapel team of young adults to Central Asia next year to serve with the Steltzer as a part of our 2023 vision. Because Jesus says, look, you need to go to Samaria, and you need to go around the world. We are doing that as a church, and as COVID restrictions continue to be lifted, you are called to do that as well. Jesus has a big vision for his people. He doesn't want us just to come and enjoy church. No, that's not what church is. Church is a sending place. We are sent out by Jesus into our Jerusalem, our friends and family, to Judea, our community, to Samaria, and around the world to reach people for Jesus. Are you willing to be a part of that? How we want to close our time today is just a, a little different. Starting next week, we're going to do something incredible as a church. We're going to start what we're calling 21 days of fasting and praying. We as a church want to continue to take prayer and fasting more serious than we ever have before in our history. And so we're going to teach about that, and we want to experience that together. But we want to be praying for our church and praying for who we're going to be now and into the future. And so hopefully you received uh, this card when you came in. Um, you can use it as a coaster if you want. But on the front is our memory passage that we've been going through, and on the back is our six vision areas. We want you to be praying for this vision, not just to pray and say, oh, I hope Pastor Eric and Charles and Todd do a great job of accomplishing the vision. No, that's not what we're up to. How do we as a church do that? So be praying for this. So as we close our time together, I have the six uh, vision roots on the screen, and I just ask you to pick out a few. and Take time praying for that as we launch into next week's 21 days of fasting and prayer. Then I'll close this in prayer. Jesus we don't want to just be a church that is known for good music and good messages and good groups and all the things that we can enjoy we also want to be known as a church that is equipped to reach our family and friends that's equipped to reach our communities and our world 
you are calling us for such a time as this to be sent out. Why? Because you have been sent to us. You came, you died, and you rose again, and now you're telling us as Christ followers to do the same thing, to die to our own selves so we can show people who you really are. With our actions, with our words, and with our even nonverbal actions, may we be the people you're calling us to be. And we lift up this vision, and it will not be accomplished without your spirit and our people. We give this to you, Jesus, in your name.